Love Talk Radio. This is the Body of Christ Church, inviting you to our virtual living room, where we discuss today's issues and how those issues relate to the Holy Scriptures. So sit back, relax, and engage in conversation with us. Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. The Most High, in the name of Christ, bless you. I am Josiah, and welcome to our virtual living room where we examine recent events as they pertain to the Holy Scriptures. It's been a couple of weeks since we did a program, and um, that was uh, largely due to the fact that we were observing the uh, Feast of the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But we are back with you today, and back with us we have the usual set a uh, usual panel, and I'd like to introduce them right now. And I'd like to start off, first of all, with our brother, Kazakia. Shalom, brother. Most high name of Christ bless you. Hey, what's up, brothers? Most high name of Christ bless all the brothers. It's good to be back to the show, sitting in the comfy chair. And uh, I really had a nice time during the Passover, and I look forward definitely to dealing with this particular topic. We also have with us today our brother, Yuanathan. Yes, giving all praises to the Heavenly Father in Christ. Peace and blessings to all that listen to the show. And I'm glad to be back to teach the doctrine of Christ to the people. And last but certainly not least, we have our brother Kabar. Thanks. Shalom, brothers and sisters. Glad to be back on the show. All praise to the Most High Christ for the holy season that we just had. And um, good to be back with you, brothers and sisters. Now, brothers, our brother Akurai, uh brought to our attention an article from Newsweek magazine dated April 13, 2009. And the title of the article is The End of Christian America. And the subtitle or the topic says, The percentage of self-identified Christians has fallen 10 points in the, ta- in the past two decades. How that statistic explains who we are now and what as a nation we are about to become. So I guess in summary, that is what this article is about. Um, the, the article was written by uh, John Meekham, and, you know, best take on it from my perspective is that what he's done here is he has taken uh, some statistics that kind of support that earlier statement uh, and some uh, Statements or a position from Albert Moeller, who happens to be the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he's he's gone through and examined why it is possibly that uh, you know that whole statement, the end of the of Christian America, you know whether that's actually about to take place or you know where we are right now, what type of decline we've seen in regard to Christians in America, and why that. Uh, why that decline has taken place. And he uh, does a real good job of uh, drawing on a lot of different sources. And some of the sources are, like we said, statistics, uh, statistics from the American Religious Identification Survey. He draws on that, as well as as well as a lot of historical references. And actually, uh, in, in, in a few instances, I saw where he actually uh, drew on the scriptures to actually Examine some points. I don't think he, he was actually trying to prove anything one way or another, but basically just putting some information out there and and saying that you know the numbers lean this way or that way because of this, that, or the other. Okay, now that's basically my perception on it. 
And I'd like to kind of go around and just get from you, brothers, what your perception was of the article. Uh, I guess I'll start off with uh, you, one of them. I'll pick on you first. Okay. Well, from this article, I see that this uh, John Meacham, he here, he, he basically, when I'm reading this article, he has maybe one, two facts about basically the statistics, the number of, of as what we know as the world view as a Christian, those numbers um, in the United States are beginning to drop, um, which is no no um, marvel, okay, because there's a difference between a worldly Christian and a Christian according to the scriptures. And then basically after that statement, he's going into his own, you know, different opinions on as to why that is happening and to reasons um, to to help influence this drop, this drop and whatnot. So that, that's what I'm picking up out of this. Article. Okay. What about yourself, Kazaki? Well, basically, uh, through uh, through reading this article, first and foremost, you can tell that that some some research was done. There's a uh, great degree of research done in, in preparing this article, and uh, as far as the findings of this particular article, um, you know, I just like to basically uh, more or less reiterate what the brother uh, stated, John, uh, uh, previously. Uh, but I like to say it this way: Since when was this country ever Christian? And you and you got to evaluate or examine that particular word, Christian, and ask yourself: What type of Christian? Religious Christian or Christian according to the Bible? Christian? There is a definite difference between the two. But yes, he does. Uh, he, he he does pull. Uh, uh, he he has a, for lack of better words, he's. He's really gotten profound in uh, what he says and what he believes in the, uh, the research and the information that he has unearthed dealing with the topic of the end of Christian America. So it's definitely going to be a, definitely an interesting topic for us to go through and deal with. Okay. Um, I'm probably going to explore that first thing that you said, you know, since when is this country uh, Christian? Maybe that would be the first thing, one of the first things we talk about. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, Kabar, be interested in getting your summarization of the article. Well, you know, this uh, John Meacham in this article about the end of Christian America is really just uh, putting into words, you know, what society and what people have been seeing as a whole happen over the last 10 years, and that's really a, more, a moral decline in America in particular and in the world as a whole. And he he really gives a lengthy uh, article and explanation of something that the scripture describes in quite a few verses. So um, he's you know is definitely stating what should be the obvious to most people, but it's you know it's something that has to be stated, and hopefully people really look at it and then examine their own selves and their own life and make sure that they're lining up with the scriptures because that's the most important thing, and that's the only way to get to extricate yourself if you are in that decline or to keep yourself away from it if you haven't gone in that direction. Okay. At a certain point in this in this article, um, he writes, what then does it mean to talk of Christian America? Evangelical Christians have long believed that the United States should be a nation whose political life is based upon and governed by their interpretation of biblical and theological principles. If the church believes drinking to be a sin, for instance, then the laws of the state should ban the consumption of alcohol. 
if the church believes the theory of evolution conflicts with a literal reading of the book of Genesis, then the public schools should tailor their lessons accordingly. If the church believes abortion should be outlawed, then the legislatures and courts of the land should follow suit. The intensity of feeling about how Christian the nation should be has ebbed and flowed since Jamestown. There is, as the Bible says, no thing new under the sun. For, for more than 40 years, the debate that began with the Supreme Court's decision to end mandatory school prayer in 1962 and accelerated with the Roe v. Wade ruling 11 years later may not have been novel, but it has been ferocious. Fearing the coming of a Europe-like secular state, the right long to engineer a return to what believed as a Christian America of yore. So, you know, getting back to your earlier uh, statement, uh, Kazakia, about, uh, you know, this being a Christian America, you know, it seems that uh, he's kind of alluding to that fact that there's some in some people's minds that's what they want, but he's kind of alluding to the fact that maybe that's not the way things are going or has ever been. Well, uh, I can definitely say that, you know, when you – when you're dealing with the word Christian in reference to using it to identify or describe something, we've, we've first got to deal with it according to the scriptures. Now, the excerpt that you just read, brother, when it, and, and you kept reading the church believes this, the church believes that, the church believes this. Mm-hmm. We have to stop and we have to evaluate. The church believes this, but what do the scriptures say? There's a difference. The church believes this, but what do the scriptures say? Now, what 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 has happened um, throughout the course of throughout the course of years? A lot of people who or groups who claim to have a Christian background or a Christian foundation, what has happened is they take one precept of the Bible or one teaching and base, the, base their doctrine or base their whole existence of being off of that one precept, precept or off of that one uh, teaching that Christ made, or a statement that Christ made, and instead of doing it from the Bible itself, if, 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 if I'm saying it correctly. In other words, you take one scripture or a group takes one scripture and base their whole doctrine, ideology, or ideology, faith, belief system, one scripture, instead of examining these scriptures and basing your doctrine or your faith or your belief system off of the Bible itself, something to what the church has done. Now, what I would like to do is read this particular scripture in Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, and it says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, meaning the sign. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Now, I'd like to concentrate on this last part where it says, let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. If, you, if you're going to call yourself a name of the name of Christ, if you're going to call yourself a Christian or say, I'm Oh, I'm a I'm a disciple. I'm baptized in the blood of Christ. So I'm born again. Uh, however, term or whatever terminology that any person uses to describe him or herself as a Christian, this is the standard. 
This is what you have to do. You have to depart from iniquity. To depart from iniquity means that person, you, me, whoever, has to repent. Repentance in that you stop doing or stop walking contrary to the example of Christ, and you start walking with Christ in line with the scriptures. In other words, you can't call yourself fully repented if you say, well, I like this law, I like what Christ said here, I like what Christ said here, but I don't want to deal with what Christ said here, or I don't want to deal with that commandment there. That's not going to work. True repentance comes when you take on or you adopt all the teaching of Christ and we, uh, and we follow these commandments through the example of Christ, all of them, not the ones that fit you or not the ones that are comfortable for you and disregarding the others. We've got to follow all through the example of Christ. And it, as you can check or tell through the history of this particular nation, it's been about, well, this is, this is good. This is comfortable. I feel comfortable with this one. I feel comfortable with this one pertaining to the commandments of the scriptures, but not comfortable with this one and not comfortable with that one. So, therefore, I won't enforce that one. I'll just, I'll just basically follow and guide myself by what's comfortable for me. Okay. All right. Well, uh, going on a little bit further into the, into the article, um, there was another part where he writes, uh, and this is at the, actually at the beginning of the article, it says, uh, it was a small detail, a point of comparison buried in the fifth paragraph on the 17th page of a 24-page summary of the 2009 American Religious Identification Survey. But as R. Albert Moeller, Jr., president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, one of the largest on earth, read over the document after its release in March, he was struck by a single sentence. For a believer like Moeller, a starch, unflinchingly conservative Christian, steeped in the theology of his particular province of the faith, devoted to producing ministers who will preach the inerrancy of the Bible and the gospel of Jesus Christ as the only means to eternal life, the central news of the survey was troubling enough. The number of Americans who claim no religious affiliation has nearly doubled since 1990, rising from 8 to 15%. Okay, the number of Americans who claim no religious affiliation has nearly doubled since 1990. Okay, so now for this man, this is like a crisis is what this is saying. Okay, now you want to, and I kind of like to hit you up on this one. You know, is this a crisis situation, you know, that these people don't claim any religious affiliation? Is that a crisis situation, or is that one of those things that you can kind of anticipate? What are your thoughts about that? Uh, this, this is the thing that you can anticipate. I mean, as a follower of Christ, this, this is no marvel, because Christ warned and told you of these things. And also, it is nothing to be alarmed of. Because once again, like the brother said earlier, everything has to be based by the word and doctrine of Jesus Christ, the things that he said to do, even um, to the point of being a Christian. Okay, um, let's go to Matthew 22 and verse 14. Okay, and, it's, and it reads, it's a quick verse, and it's what Christ said. And he said, at Matthew 22:14, he says, For many are called, but few are chosen. So even... To those that the ones, the very elect that Christ is calling, there's going to be few 
that's going to be what he says, but chosen. Many that he's called, Christ is only choosing a few. So, I mean, that's not to be uh, something to be alarming, um, to be alarming to the mind because these things will happen, okay? And um, if I could um, back um, backtrack one on the statement that the brother made about uh, the nations and um, the Christians, um, you gotta you got to remember, and this is a nation that we live in as a whole, is really a nations of nations, okay? Because once again, we're not defining, we're not um, we're not going by things according to the scriptures, okay? We're, we're basically in this country where we're living, and we're we're made up of nations of nations, many nations together to make a state of civilization. So now, even in that, I mean, you you have to break that down and and, and follow it according to how Christ wanted us to follow. So, I mean, there's, there's many levels, but if you're not going by the scriptures, even in the facts and things that you might have accumulated, those things might be off. And they're all off. They are off because they're not going by the word of Christ. Uh, I'd like to add something to that, if I could, brother, just right quick. In that first paragraph that you just read for where it states, the central news of the survey was troubling enough. The number of Americans who claim no religious affiliation has nearly doubled since 1990, rising from 8 to 15 percent, well, as the as the brother you want to just say it, that should be no marvel. And I'd like to read the scriptures why it should be. No in Second Timothy chapter two, oh, excuse me, Second Timothy chapter three, starting at verse one. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. So basically what Timothy was describing in Second Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 1 down to like verse 5, we're, we're living it now. We're going through it now. These are the things that are that have been manifest in the past, but now are being made more manifest and more prevalent in this society today because of the fact that we are living in these last days and we're only seeing what Timothy already prophesied about once upon a win 2,000 years ago. So no marvel that there is a decline. This is just basically fulfillment of Scripture that was written beforehand. All right. Thank you for that, brother. I want to go uh, a little bit further in that same uh, paragraph at the beginning of the article because he goes on to say, then came the point he could not get out of his mind. While the unaffiliated have historically been concentrated in the Pacific Northwest, the report said, this pattern has now changed and the Northeast emerged in 2008 as the new stronghold of the religiously unidentified. As Moses thought it, the historic foundation of America's religious culture was cracking. Now, because I, I'd like to ask you, why would he see that as, you know, that change? Why would he see that as the uh, foundation cracking? Basically, uh, <clears throat> and I can't, I can't presume to know what this particular man thinks, but I can only suppose that through the media, and he's seeing all the uh, occurrences and things that are happening outside of the scriptures would lead him to think this particular way. But 
uh, his, as his, as uh, this last sentence, as Mueller saw it, the historic foundation of America's religious culture was cracking. Okay, let's look at that just a little bit deeper. America's religious culture has not always been based in the scriptures. As it was stated earlier before, a lot of the things or the so-called Christianity that America professed to be a part of or professed to observe and practice have been basically bits and pieces and a precept here or a precept there, but not the whole and definitely not the understanding of Jesus Christ. So uh, I would imagine that it would be, uh, it would come across to him as the historic foundation uh, of America's uh, religious culture was cracking, where it would come across to say me or any of the other brothers uh, on the panel as a simple, uh, simple instance of scripture fulfilling itself. Uh, why, maybe through what he sees in the media, maybe through talking or interacting with people, would this particular man come to that conclusion? But according to the scriptures, the same Bible that this particular country bases its beliefs out of, it's nothing more than prophecy. Things things coming to a head, things coming to pass that was already stated that were going to pass. Right. Kabar, I want to uh, read just a little bit more here, and then I want to ask you to present you with the same question. He goes on to say a little bit more, uh, um, a little bit further down. He said, a remarkable culture has taken place around us, all wrote. The most basic contours of American culture have been radically altered. The so-called consensus of the last millennium, I'm oh, sorry, there's, there's some uh, noise going on right now. I'm not sure what that is. But it says here, the most basic contours of American culture have been radically altered. The so-called Judeo-Christian consensus of the last millennium has way to a postmodern, post-Christian, Christian, post-Western culture crisis, which threatens the very heart of our culture. Is this a crisis situation that we're in? Is it a crisis situation? situation that we in it most definitely is two points what he's what he's what he's trying to describe here is what the scripture was talking about in first timothy uh chapter four and verse three and i'm just going to skip through some critical points um first timothy uh chapter four sorry uh second thessalonians chapter two and uh verse one i'm gonna start it says now now we Beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the gathering, uh, and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind, nor be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as, the, as that day of Christ is at hand. So he's letting them know, listen, you're going to start seeing things happen, events occur, but don't be troubled, all right? Because this man sounds very troubled in his countenance and in his mind. Verse 3, uh, let no man deceive you by any means. For well, that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that that and that uh, man of sin be revealed, even the son of perdition. Jump down to verse nine. It says, uh, "Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, ten, and with all deceitfulness of, un- of unrighteousness, and them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved." And this is why you you have this falling away occurring, while you have all of these people who perhaps many, in many cases were Christians, are now saying they don't believe anything anymore. 
okay, because they're not receiving that love of the truth. And the scriptures explain what that is, and it's the keeping of the commandments of the Most High. Verse 11 says, for this, for this cause God shall send them strong delusions that they shall believe a lie, and, they, and that, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but have pleasure in unrighteousness. Because this is what you have going on in the world. You have this exponential increase of all types of evils, abominations, wicked works going on in the world. And the scriptures already prophesied of this. When you go into Second Ezra chapter 14, and you read it at verse 13, and it tells you, Now therefore, this is the uh, angel speaking to Ezra, Ezra before he was taken up. It says, Now therefore, set thine house in order, and reprove thy people, comfort such of them as be in trouble, and now renounce corruption. It says what? Let go from these mortal thoughts, cast away the burdens of man, put off now the weak nature. Fifteen is the point. And set aside the thoughts that are most heavy unto thee, and haste thee to flee from these times. For yet greater evils than, than those which thou hast seen happen shall be done hereafter. Okay, verse 17. For look now, for look how much the world shall be weaker through age. So much the more shall evils increase upon them that dwell therein. So this is what the Most High is letting you know. And this is what the angels are describing to Ezra. I know you've seen great evils done in the earth. But he's, what he's saying is, listen, even greater evils are going to happen in the latter times. Evils are going to increase and increase even the more so. Christ told you what? And because wickedness shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. First of all, I love talking about the love that we're supposed to have or that a follower of Christ is supposed to have towards the Most High in Christ and also the love that we're supposed to have to one another. That is going to start to decrease. That is going to start to evaporate as these wickedness and these evils increase and as people give themselves unto it. And that's what you see going on in America today and all over the world. Okay. All right. Very good, bro. Um, he goes on to write, when Moeller and I spoke in the days after he wrote this, he had grown even gloomier. Clearly, there's a new narrative, a post-Christian narrative, that is animating large portions of this society. He said from his office on campus in Louisville, Kentucky, there it was, an old term, new urgency, post-Christian. This is not to say that the Christian God is dead, but that he is less of a force in, our, in American politics and culture than at any other time in recent memory. Now, that last statement, that is not to say that the Christian God is dead, but that he is less of a force in American politics and culture than at any other time in recent memory. To me, that statement has a lot of question marks in it. And one of the first one is, who is the Christian God? Is there a Buddhist God? Is there a Hindu God? And the, the second question is, he talks about uh, God being a less of a force in American politics and culture. You know, is God supposed to be a force in politics and culture? What's the real deal? How, what is the approach to that? So let's first talk about the first question. Is there a Christian God and a Muslim God and a Jewish God and a Hindu God? Okay. No, there isn't. There's not. No, when you go into, uh, oh, go ahead, brother. When you go into Numbers 11, really, just, you know, hits the point. I believe it's 
No, hear ye, hear ye, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Which one is that, brother? Uh, Deuteronomy 6 uh, and four. Uh, Deuteronomy 6 and 4, yeah, that's it. Deuteronomy 6 and 4? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, when you go to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, it tells you, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. So the scriptures tell you that, listen, there isn't many guys, there isn't, you know, one guy that handles this this, this uh, uh, pantheon of gods going on. That's not what the case is. Man has made that up. There's only one God that created all things, and everything else is an idol. When you go into Psalms, and that brings that point out, Psalms chapter 97, I believe, um, uh, 96, yeah, 96 and verse 5, it tells you, for all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. So it's, it's clear that there's only one God, and that one God, through Christ, created all things, and that's the end of it. Anything else that anyone presents as being a God or to be worshipped is an idol, and it, you are supposed to stay away from that. Okay, so there's only one God. Right, and if I could add on, are, are yeah. you finished, brother? Yeah, I'm done. Okay. It also, also upon that, that one true living God set up and created this whole world. And then on top of that, he chose a man, a righteous man, and made a covenant with him who, and gave him out of his lineage came who? The nation that he chose to give his knowledge and understanding and be an example to this world, which is the nation of Israel, whom Christ came for and died, whom he is of as well. Okay, he's going to be the prince of, of all princes and kings and, and lords of all when he comes again to set up his, uh, his nation. And not only that, uh, if I can read this Hebrews chapter 1, verses um, 1 and verse 2. It says, God who has sung dry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. So in latter times, he spoke to our fathers by the prophets, okay, the children of Israel, the prophets of the children of Israel, and they were delivered the message. And now in these last days, and the last days begin when? When Jesus Christ came upon this earth, died, okay, and became that sacrifice for Israel, and then what? His spirit and understanding came out on this earth since that day of Pentecost when it was speaking about on Christ. All of that is uh, the beginning of these last days. And now he's given us everything that we need in this world. We don't need the politics of this world. We don't need the rights and wrongs of this world. We need the, the righteousness of the Heavenly Father and apply that to our lives. I mean, we know, okay, Satan in this world, even though people think, oh, the Christians are, are dying off, okay, or there's less of them than previously. No. Christ has given us everything every man, everything he needs to destroy Christ. And the problem is, if you want to accept that or not, okay? I mean, we know how to not, I know the script, the law tells us to not commit adultery, but guess what? Christ gave us the understanding on to how not to never commit it. And it's up to me whether do I want to apply that or not. And it's up to every individual whether they want to apply that or not. So the, given the fact of, um, the numbers are dwindling. No, it's, it's not that. It's that the people are choosing rather to go other ways than the ways of what Christ has institutionalized us to do. 
Yeah, and the brother meant to say destroy Satan, not yeah, Christ. destroy Satan, not Christ. Right, excuse me. Thank you, brother. Yeah, I I'm definitely meant that. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to make a comment, uh, brother. Brother Josiah, you read in uh, paragraph three that second sentence, and uh, I'd like to read that again, right quick. It says, "This is not to say that the Christian God is dead, but he is less of a force in American politics and culture than at any other time in recent memory." Now. Mm-hmm. I'd like to read a scripture uh, dealing with that. First and foremost, the Most High, the, the God, God Almighty, is the force, point blank. He is the force of all. Now, just so that people don't think I'm just coming off the top of my own head, I'd like to read from Daniel, chapter 4, verse 17. And it reads, <clears throat> This matter is by the decree of the watches and the demand." By the word of the holy ones, to the intent that the living may know that the most high, that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will, and setteth and setteth up over it the basis of men. So for this man right here, so for this individual right here uh, to say that uh, uh, that uh, that the Christian God is uh, this is not to say that the Christian God is dead, but that the Lord is less of a force in American politics and culture than at any other time of recent memory, that, that's a, that's an, that is an erroneous statement because the Most High is very much a force in politics and, and everything that's going on right now. Everything that's happening is happening because the Lord God Almighty is allowing it to happen. You read, that, you read that in Daniel, right? Yeah, that's in Daniel. Matter okay. of fact, uh, it repeats itself in Daniel 4.17, Daniel 4.25, and Daniel 4.32 that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. So exactly. all, these, all these men, these uh, politics, uh, politicians, excuse me, presidents, whatever political figure that you can think of that's in force or making policies right now, whether it be in this country or any other country, they are there because the Lord is allowing them to be there to occupy that position for his own divine purposes. So for that man to say that he's less of a force, he's, he's definitely in error. The Most High is the force, and he's allowing these things at his, for his own purposes, at his own discretion, for, for these things to come to pass and for these things to happen. Now, what we have to do, and when I say we, I'm referring to the children of Israel, so-called Negroes uh, and uh, Hispanics, scattered throughout all the world, and Native Americans. What we have to do is we have to look at what the Lord is doing and say it's time for us to repent. It's time for us to come back and follow Jesus Christ and keep ourselves in line with the doctrine and the teachings of Christ so that whatever said evil or whatever said disaster that is that is to befall this country or the next country or the next country, we won't be a part of it. But the Lord does rule in this kingdom. He rules in the kingdom under this one in South America. He rules in Europe. He rules in Asia. He rules in Africa. He rules in Antarctica. If there is a country, if there is a kingdom, if there is a city, if there is a town, no matter how big or insignificant it may be to us, the Most High rules in it. Mm-hmm. All right, very very well put, brother. Um, let me just go on and, and read a little bit more of what he says. And I got a really really important question about this. 
Uh, it goes on to say, uh, let's be clear. What paragraph are you at, brother? Uh, this I, I show it as paragraph six. Okay. Okay. He goes on to say, let's let's be clear. While the percentage of Christians may be shrinking, rumors of the death of Christianity are greatly exaggerated. Being less Christian does not necessarily mean that America is post-Christian. That's that term again. It says a third of Americans say they are born again. This figure, along with the decline of politically moderate to liberal mainline Protestants, led the ARIS authors to note that these trends suggest a movement towards more conservative beliefs and particularly to a more evangelical outlook among Christians. Now, he says a third of Americans say they are born again. What is the significance of a third of Americans saying they are born again? What is what is the significance behind that? You know, when you say... I think the most real significant thing about that statement is to really understand what does it mean to be born again, because you know you had you hear terms like this thrown around and really the understanding of what it actually meant is never there. Um, and the best okay, way well, to then explain then what it's to be born again. Then at that point we might understand what a third of Americans are, right? Okay, is um, that right? If we understand what it is to be born again, uh-huh. then we'll know what the third of Americans are. I, and I was supposed to be talking about those who are claimed to be Christians, that third. Okay. But the thing is... The thing but is, is that the same even, thing? Is that the same thing, though, is what I'm asking? Because I agree with you. I think that what he's talking about, he's saying that a third of Americans are Christians because they claim to be born again. But my question is... Is that the case? Is that the case? Because it's born again. What, is the, what does that mean to be born again? I think I think the scriptures uh, references a conversation between Christ and Nicodemus about yeah, being uh, born again. Right. So I, what does it mean? Can I read with that? I, I, I apologize, but can I add to that? Because I, I think I'm understanding what you're asking, Brother Josiah. But uh, to, to bring it all back within a proper perspective of being born again. Uh, when we read in First Peter chapter one and twenty-three, it says, "Being born again." There it is, right there. Not of corruptible seed, meaning not by seed of man or or, 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 or the carnal man's seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So mm-hmm. the true being born again process is not about, okay, like Christ had that conversation with Nicodemus. What, do you mean I have to go back into my mother's, my mother's womb and come out again being born again? That's not it. The true aspect or the true state of being born again is, like the Scripture says, not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. So now let's look at that part, by the word of God. Being, a born, being born again means we have repented. Being born, being born again, excuse me, means we have put off that old carnal, fleshly man. And what I mean by that is that everything that that man or that woman used to do that was contrary to Christ, that was contrary to the scriptures, the Bible, that's being put off. And what comes in its place is that spiritual man or woman that's following Christ, that's following his examples, that's that's uh, that's living. The example and the teachings of Christ 
by the word of God because Mm -hmm. Christ is that word of God which liveth and abideth forever. So when we are born again, we are born again by repentance unto Christ and keeping keeping the teachings of Christ and living the teachings of Christ. That's truly being born again. In other words, just straight up, simply put, repentance and following the example of Christ and living that example. Okay. And also to add to that, what does that actually look like? You go into Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. It says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may provide what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's with that reborn that the brother's speaking about that, that is not talking about, it's not anything physical. It's about spiritually putting off that old man, putting on that new man. And like the scripture says, be not being conformed to this world, but your mind being transformed and renewed, reshaped, remade according to the thoughts, understanding, will, and desire of the Most High through Christ. That's what being reborn is. Now, there's two characteristics of it because a lot of times that's, that's where the, the point is missed at. What are the two elements that are that's most necessary? Because that reborn person, that Christian, becomes what? Uh, the title that they're given is that saint of the Most High. And what are the two main characteristics that you're going to see in a saint? Revelation chapter 14 and verse 2, it tells you, Here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Because you're going to have two extremes. You're going to have those like you had in the circumcision which say, listen, we got to keep the laws of Moses and completely eliminate Christ. Christ doesn't have anything to do with it. We don't acknowledge him. That's false. Then you have the other extreme that says, listen, we just say I believe in Christ and have faith. A, a, a false faith and just say just say the words I believe and you'll be saved. That is completely false. What the scripture is talking about is being transformed, applying, keeping the most high commandments through the spirit, knowledge, and understanding of Christ. That's what a saint is. That's what being reborn is. But then there's other things that you will see, and it's the characteristics that you look for to tell if a person is actually born again. And one of those characteristics are going to be like you read, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, when it says what? Seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness first, and all these other things will be added unto you, paraphrasing the scriptures. So that's one thing you're going to see in a person. His, his or her thought, for, first and foremost, is going to be, am I in line with the Most High? Am I in line with what the scripture says? Then the next part is going to be when you read in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 through 3. This is a, a characteristic that you'll see in a person who, uh, who says they're born again. They're going to do what? Colossians chapter six, chapter 3 and verse 1. If then you be risen with Christ, meaning born again, it says what? Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, meaning spiritual things. What are those spiritual things? The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, temperance, peace, long-suffering, all those things is what you're going to be looking at as valuable, not the things of the world. Verse 2, set your affections on things above, not on, not on the earth. Verse 3, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. So the whole focus of a, person, a Christian reborn, born again, is that everything is going to be about the kingdom of God, becoming that new creature in Christ in order to attain that high calling and receive the kingdom of God. And everything else 
is going to be secondary to that. If you're not seeing those characteristics, then a person doesn't understand what being reborn is, and they're not reborn. You should okay. Know them by their All right, so the statement here is, he says, a third of Americans say they are born again. Now, based upon everything that uh, you brothers have just brought out, and this might be a slightly unfair question because I know you hadn't done any statistical research on this, but just based upon what you know in general about what goes on in this country and around the world, but specifically in this country, based on what you know in general about the population in this country and their behaviors and so forth, he says a third is born again. What percentage would you say is born again? Would you say 50%? Would you say 75%? You mean all actuality? Yeah, all actuality based upon what you just said, just to, just to what you brothers just brought out in the scriptures. What percentage is born again? Born again based on that, bro. Honestly, honestly, and this is of course speaking as a fool because only the Most High in Christ can know the number, right? But speaking as a fool, brother, first of all, it's only a percentage that are actually claiming to be Christians and and born again. You know, maybe maybe thirty, forty, maybe half. Okay, and that number steadily declining. But of, of that number, all right, because you're talking about 250 million people in America, the population, and only maybe 175 of those actually saying they're Christian born again. But of that number, I would say honestly, as far as lining it up with the scriptures, maybe one percent or less is actually born again. Hey, brother, you're doing pretty good because I would say. I cannot give you a number as far as who is truly born again versus who is not born again. We've gone through the scriptures, and the, and the Spirit of Christ have showed us, all right, this is what it means to be born again. Now, like Christ also said, ye shall know them by their fruits. We, mm-hmm. I, as I said before, I cannot give you, at least I can't, give you a specific number as to who is truly born again versus who is not. But you can mm-hmm. always tell a man or a woman if they're truly born again, by their actions, what they do, if it falls in line with Christ, if it falls in line with the scriptures or not. Now, allow me to say this right quick as well. You can't, as I said before, you can't pick and choose, all right, I like this law, I can apply this, but I don't want to apply that. Uh, I'll, I'll give up eating pork, but I still, I still got to have my two, three, and four different girlfriends. That's not going to work. That's not truly being born again. And that's what a lot of people think that it is. Okay, I've given up this but I still want to retain that. I've given up this, but I still want to retain that. Or, I commandment, I like this law. I'm really comfortable with what Christ said here, but what Christ said here in this particular chapter, in this particular verse, I'm not gelling with, so I'm just going to leave that alone, but stick to what he said here. That's not being born again. Being born okay. again is that you're taking it on, all of it. And, as, and you might not know it all instantaneously, uh, uh, but as you begin to learn more about Christ, as you learn more, you apply more. Okay. <laughs> That's a whole lot there. Now, if both of you brothers are agreeing that it's, you know, 1% or less. You, and I heard what you said, Kazaki, that you thought that Kabar was being a little bit liberal. Okay. <laughs> um, but but now, now, now think about this now. If what you brothers are suggesting, even if, if if you're far off and say it's 5%, that still deepens the crisis this man is talking about exponentially. Yeah, it does. Okay, so now are, are we talking about uh, the same crisis that he's talking about? Something different. 
and, and before we go to the answer on that, response on that, let's go ahead and go to the Brothers and sisters, at this time, please accept our invitation to visit us in the virtual living room to discuss today's topic. Comments or questions are eagerly encouraged, whether they agree or disagree with the viewpoints expressed by those involved in the program. To visit us in the virtual living room, please call 646-716-7749. Also, you can visit our website at thevocc.com or you can email us at bodyofchrist at ureach.com. Ureach is the letter U followed by the word reach. So that's bodyofchrist at ureach.com or call us at 1-877-871-1712. This program is broadcast live each Sunday at 2 p.m. Remember to visit us right now in the virtual living room by calling 646-716-7749. Now, back to today's show. Okay, brothers, before we went to the announcement, um, we were discussing, uh, uh, or you brothers have brought out in the scriptures, what it actually meant to be born again. And then we took a look in very, very, in a very, very general way, what percentage of Americans, by those things he brought us in the scriptures, might actually be born again. And we found out that, or we are suggesting rather, that there's a vast difference between what the ARIS comes up with as the number of Americans that are born again, and what. The scriptures may show as the number of Americans that are born again. Even if you are liberal with the numbers, you might go up to 10%. I mean, that's being exceptionally liberal. You might go up to 10%. But one or two things is happening here. Either the crisis that they are speaking about is vastly worse than they ever imagined, or there are two different crises. So what's, what's going on here? You want to, we hadn't heard from you for, for a second. Uh, what's going on with that? Are there two different crises, or is it just worse, or is it just a combination of both? John? Can you hear me? Oh, there okay. you go. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, got yeah, you now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when we were making statements of uh, the numbers, okay, and then one point someone mentioned, uh, you know, being conservative or, or, or less conservative, you got to understand that, there is no conservative with the Most High in Christ. There's no liberal. There's either you're doing it or you're not. Okay, and it's not picking and choosing. It's not 30%, 90%. It's not even 99% with Christ. Okay, uh, Matthew 12:33. It says, either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. So what Christ is telling us there is, is basically either you're going to do what's right, what I tell you to do what's right, and follow the the, um, the doctrines and do the things that I um, instructed you all to do, 
in its entirety and be ye perfect, or don't do don't do it. And then that means make your your fruit corrupt. Okay, so it's it's no leeway. It's it's no like how you, we're bringing up these different numbers, and then and we as mere men. Second Corinthians five and eleven it says, knowing therefore the terror of God, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God. So we know the core. Everyone reads the scriptures, the Bibles, uh, how Heavenly Father in Christ says how Christ says when He's coming with His holy host of angels. And he says it's going to light lightning from one end to the other, and all shall see. And he's coming in in glory and dread, and then it speaks of that that day of um, glory and terror. Okay, we know that the heavenly Father is coming for judgment. So we wish that all who hear this um, this program would repent and continue to uh, learn that doctrine of Christ, stick in it, and learn it to its fullest. Because in that, that's your um, safe. That's your safety. We persuade me because we ourselves, we don't even know ourselves. We all going to sit up on that judgment seat. So, I mean, for, to answer your question, you know, basically, listen, it, it's, it's no percentage. It's either get right or prepare for death. You know, and that's for all men. It's true. You know, and I, and I want to also just make a, uh, a clarification because, you know, you asking a question about, about uh, a number, you know what I mean, and you know to state a number. You know, it's like, like that. It's like you know when Paul, you know, to make a point, you know, he would he would say speaking as a fool, so that he can you know sort of set up and make a point and then bring the understanding according to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's basically what we're doing here as far as as far as to, to illustrate an, a point and 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 discussing something like that. But remember, all we're talking about is it's a remnant. Now the world takes statistics as far as you may fill out an application on your job and they say you know you have any religious affiliation, you put a Christian down. Now, you're going to get lumped in the same category as everybody else that put that down. But it's, it's just because the Lord has granted us the understanding to make the difference, to discern between good and evil, that we're able to state exactly what it is according to what's written in the Scriptures. But the thing is that, you're, you know, once again, we're only talking about a remnant that's actually is going to be saved. You know, we're only talking about a remnant that's actually applying and keeping the commandments. And the great majority, like the scriptures read in Thessalonians, are deceived because they they say but do not, like the scripture says. Or they draw nigh to Christ with their lips. They say, Lord, Lord, but deny him when works. And this is the issue that's going on. So as far as it's the same, we're, talk, we're describing the same phenomenon that this man is speaking about, but we're just able to describe it in more detail and in, in, in a more exact um, form because, the understanding in the scriptures uh, 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 have been given to a, a greater degree in, in, in application because we keep the commandments. But, yes, you have many people who claim that, and you have some who sincerely follow it, but the great majority who claim that do not. And that's, that's those are what can, you know, what arise in statistics today, you know what I mean? Even those who may not have been sincere are now saying, listen, you know what, I don't really believe anything because they didn't believe in the first place. So it was just something that they put on the application, and they didn't really understand what they was doing or didn't really believe in the first place. But the thing is that, you know, true belief is going to be seen through a person's works, and that's and that's for all of us to examine ourselves and make sure that what? That we are in the faith, like the Scripture says. I like so, the, uh, uh, if you don't mind, brother, uh, you said about, you were talking about the crisis. Right. You were asking 
are there two crises or is just one crisis? Now, right. this is just me speaking as plain old regular Zakia. But the point is, the only crises that's really being viewed is the crises that this particular sees out uh, that this particular individual uh, sees out of his own mind. And the reason why I'm saying this is because, according to John chapter 10, verse 27 through 29, Christ says, "My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me." So the the true Christians, the ones who truly have been born again. They're going to hear the voice of Christ. I mean, they're going to acknowledge the teachings of Jesus Christ, and they're going, to, they're going to keep it and continue in them. Now, the points are in verse 28 and verse 29. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. So the point what I'm trying to get at is basically this. The crises that this man may see, okay, that's what he sees. But according to the scriptures, those who are following Christ will follow Christ. Those who are sincere about following Christ will continue to be sincere in following Christ and that there is nothing that any man, any woman, any president, any vice president, any politician, any, any lawgiver, any judge can do to, 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 to stay contrary or to stop that. So if there is a crisis, it's, in, it's within this man's mind. But everything is happening according to how the Lord has orchestrated for it to happen. And those who are truly the followers of Christ, there is nothing that's going to happen to them to keep them from following Christ if that's what they are, if they, if they are truly born again and followers of Jesus Christ. Okay, so so in, in a nutshell, what you're saying is that uh, what he's perceiving as a crisis in dwindling numbers is not a crisis, it's not the crisis. No. I'd like to read this scripture right here if I can. In uh, Romans chapter 10, now hopefully this gives a little bit of clarity. Uh, Romans chapter 10 and verse 1, and I'm going to read to verse 3. It says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going, going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Now, the context of this particular scripture, of course, at the beginning, it says for Israel. But let's look at, let's look at this on a grander scale. Let's look at it in, 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 in this country that we're living in, America. There are a lot of people who have some type of zeal, who have some type of understanding, who have some type of enthusiasm, I dare say, for the Heavenly Father in Christ. But it's not according to the knowledge of the Scriptures. So in going about that, not just Israel, but a whole lot of other people have gone about and setting up, going about to set up their own righteousness, in other words, their own beliefs, their own ideas about what it is to serve God, what it is to, to be a Christian, and they're going or they're going or they're leading their lives by that principle instead of the doctrine of Christ in the scriptures. Okay. All right. Um there are a number of other things that have been said in, in this article 
that, you know, it, it kind of got my attention, and I think it got the attention of you brothers also. Um, and just kind of browsing through here, uh, there, there's another one here that, uh, you know, I think kind of stands out. And uh, if you're referencing the paragraphs, it will be paragraph 11. And uh, it starts out, which is precisely what troubles Mola. The post-Christian narrative is radically different. It offers spirituality, however defined, without binding authority, he told me. It is based on an understanding of history that presumes a less tolerant past and a more tolerant future with the present as an important transitional step. The present, in this sense, is less about the death of God and more about the birth of many gods. Hmm. The rising numbers of religiously unaffiliated Americans are people more apt to call themselves spiritual rather than religious. In the Newsweek poll, 30% described themselves this way up from 24% in 2005. They're describing themselves as spiritual rather than religious. But out of everything I just read, the thing that really caught my attention, and I would imagine that caught your brother's attention too, it says the present, uh, it says, um, with the present ethnic set, the present in this sense is less about the death of God and about the birth of many gods. The birth of many gods? Mm, what is well, he talking about? Well, brother, if you don't mind my going first with this particular one, when it says, and this is what I'm perceiving, the birth, uh, where it says, excuse me, the present the present in this sense is less about the death of God, capital G-O-D, almighty, and more about the birth of many gods, lowercase G-O-D. Uh, to me, he's talking about the religion. Different religions. I mean, let's look at the society that we're currently living in. You've got Roman Catholic, Baptist, Zionist, AME Zion. You've got Methodist, AME, uh, AME CME, Calvinist, Protestant, Lutheran, Seventh-day Adventist, Jehovah Witness, and, and, and many other sub-religions or subsects under those right there. So those in themselves, lowercase, but as far as the death of, oh no, good gracious no. <laughs> the, you know, the, the Most High still reigns, and, and 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 you see it all the time, like the Scripture says, the Most High reigns in the kingdom of men. So there indefinitely is no death. And more specifically, you know, when he talks about this, uh, less about the the death of God and the birth of many gods. You know, more specifically, what he what he's what he's going what he's going into is an effect. This is an effect of what you would call the new age spiritual movement, and this is how people identify themselves in this new age spiritual movement movement, which which in effect talk about finding God within. But you can go to the caller because I want to go to First Timothy chapter four and verse one to explain that. Okay, um, we have a visitor. From area code eight one three, visitor, would you please go ahead with your name and your comment, please? Yeah, my name is uh, Margie Glenn, and I saw that you were talking on the subject end of Christian America, and I want to discuss how uh, many uh, preachers and teachers and people there are preachers and teachers are think are believe that 
uh, Jeremiah 51 is uh, modern day America, and also um, I want to discuss uh, the prophecies of Dmitri Dudaman, which has a lot to do with the end of Christian America per se. It's not exactly touching on the subject you guys are, but I thought I would like to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Marjorie. Okay. Um, are you familiar with Dimitri Dudamon, first of all? I'm not. Either one of your brothers familiar with Dimitri? Okay. No, I'm not. Dimitri Dudamon was a Romanian pastor who used to smuggle Bibles in Romania during the Cold War, and um, he got arrested by the authorities back then, and he was tortured for like five months in prison. And they were about to kill him, and, and uh, to make a long story short, God supernaturally got him saved. You can, I'll tell you where you can read more about his uh, things on the website. But um, basically, God, God purposed for this man to come over here. Because he was exiled out of his country in America, he purposed him to be over here to warn America. Now, this is back in 1984, mm-hmm. basically, that our country was going to burn um, he got a lot of he, his ministry has gone through a lot of persecution by the churches because at that time they wouldn't believe a lot of the things that he said, which has actually have been coming to pass since then. 9/11. I mean, a, a lot of stuff that he prophesied on. But um, I would like to be able to read it if I can. If if you don't want me to read it, um, I, can, I would like to discuss the fact that I believe that Jeremiah 51 is talking about modern day America. Okay, uh, Margie, uh, how much time are you talking in reading that? Um, but a couple minutes? It, yeah, but, well, it probably took about five for me to read. I'm, I'm a pretty fast reader. Is it, is it possible that you can kind of summarize for us? Uh, well, you know, basically, he he was, um, he was you know, God comes to him in a dream. He comes to him in a dream, and he's in America, and he's starving, and his kids are all here, and they're all exiled over here. And he's asking God, why are you punishing me? Why did you bring me in this country? And uh, if I was going to die, why don't you let me die in the country? And he says, um, God says to him, um, he said, Dimitri, have patience so I can tell you. Get on this. I got something. Uh, and I got on something next to him, and um, I don't know what he was. I guess he took him away in the spirit. And he showed him California. He said, this is Sodom and Gomorrah. All of this in one day will burn. Its sin has reached to the Holy One. Then he took him to Las Vegas, and he said, this is Sodom and Gomorrah, and one day it will burn. Then he showed him the state of New York. Do you know what this is? And he asked, I said, no. And he said, this is New York. This is Sodom and Gomorrah, and one day it will burn. Then he showed me all of Florida. And he said, this is Florida, he says. This is Sodom and Gomorrah, and one day it will burn. Then he put me back home uh, to the rock that we hit, where they had begun. He says, and one day it will burn. And I said, how will it burn? He says, remember I, what I'm telling you, because you will go on television, on the radio, and in the churches, and you must yell with a loud voice, do not be afraid, because I will be with you. I said, how will I be able to go? Who knows me here in America? I don't know anybody here. And also, you know, of course he didn't speak American either. And he said, don't worry yourself, I will go before you. I'll do a lot of healing in the American churches, and I'll open the doors. But do not say anything else besides what I tell you. This country will burn. And I said, what will you do with the church? He said, I want to save the church, but the churches have forsaken me. I said, how have they forsaken you? He said, the people praise themselves. The honor the people are supposed to give to Jesus Christ, they take upon themselves. In the churches, there are divorces. There is adultery in the churches. 
There are homosexuals in the churches. There is abortion in the churches and all of the sins that are possible because of the sin. I have left some of the churches. You must, you must yell in a loud voice that they must put an end to their sinning. They must turn toward the Lord. The Lord never gets tired of forgiving. They must draw close to the Lord and live a clean life. If they have sinned until now, they must put an end to it and start a new life as the Bible tells them to live. I said, how will America burn? America is the most powerful country in this world. Why did you bring us here to burn? Why didn't you at least let us die all, um, while all the Dudamans have died? Okay. He said, remember, and, um, he says, remember this. The Russian spies have discovered where the nuclear warehouses are in America. When the Americans will think that there's peace and safety from the middle of the country, some of the people will start fighting against the government. The government will be busy with right. internal problems. From the ocean, from Cuba, Nicaragua, Mexico. He told me two other countries, but I didn't remember. They will okay, Margie, I think, I think we get the gist of it, and, and the gist of it is uh, this, this prophecy that Dimitri is saying about the United States. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, let me let me ask you a question. You, have you been uh, listening to the program, like, for the past 30 minutes or so? Uh, yeah, for a little bit. Okay. Did, did you happen to hear the um, the uh, questions and comments surrounding uh, the crisis of the dwindling numbers of Christians in America? Uh, no, I, I I know that's what you were talking about, but mm -hmm. basically I, I've that, and I've heard about it. I mean, I understand that's happening. Yeah. Well, not, one know, of the things is seem, excuse me for talking over you, but one of the things sure. that uh, this this article seems to be stating is, and it doesn't state it in exactly these words, but it's, it's it seems to infer that there's a uh, a crisis either occurring right now or on the horizon of the United States, uh, whereas the number of Christians have actually are, are actually diminishing in the United States. Uh, mm -hmm. it, do you have any comments or thought about that? Well, what I'm uh, basically, uh, I guess, where I'm going with it is the fact that it was prophesied that the church is turning from God, and God's judgment is probably coming because of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because that's he's already been it's already been prophesied because his people are turning against him. But I also don't think the churches are dwindling. Okay, now yeah, I do have a comment to make about that. Do, uh, Dr. Perry Stone did a survey on what's going on with the churches. Why? What's wrong with the churches? Why are they dwindling? And they said because the preachers are not preaching the truth. They're not telling the people the truth. For instance. Bible prophecy is one one of the subjects that they won't touch on because um, one pastor said that um, he's afraid to tell his church because if he tells his church they're not gonna they're, they're gonna they're gonna get scared and stop sending money or stop mm -hmm. giving money which I think is the opposite but that's where I think the problem also is with the churches is the fact that the you know they're they want a candy coat message I mean people are not stupid they, I mean yes there's people that have itchy ears and they want to hear uh, nice things, you know. They want to hear the Joel Osteen, pre, you know, kind of sermons, but most of them, you know, they not, but they're not getting satisfied, and they're not going to get satisfied until the truth is really preached in the churches. You know, I have a, I have a comment. Um, you know, just going going into those things because, <clears throat> you know, um, and I understand, you know, there's so many books and there's so many uh, points of view and angles and uh, so many. Uh, interpretations and reinterpretations of, you know, scriptures and prophecies. But as far as the focal point, because there can be a lot of confusion that arises out of 
you know, the studying into all of these prophecies and, you know, people have uh, specified dates to the return of Christ and so many things and none of these oh, things yeah, well, materi- materialize. Let me finish. But the thing is that the focal point uh, is where we have to be. Revelation, I mean, uh, Matthew 4, 417, from that time Christ began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's his doctrine. And then, yeah. uh, uh, excuse me, uh, Mark chapter 6 and verse 12 tells you that what? And the disciples went out and preached that men should repent. That was the doctrine. And, and yeah. when the focal point turns from that into other things, a lot of confusion is going to arise. Um, when you look at Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3, that already talk about the falling away that's going to happen in the churches. When you go into Second uh, Peter chapter 3 and verse 10, it tells you that the whole earth is going to burn. So, you know, to rehash, you know, people come and they rehash prophecies, but the scriptures stated the best, the clearest, and the true, and the trueness of it. And, you know, we really just, you know, try to stay away from these books that men come up and they rehash or try to rehash what scripture has already said and made clear. But, you know, the, the aspect that we really need to, to also focus on is um, when you go into, let me see where it is, uh, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, because remember we're talking about the death of God, not less, than, less you know, talking about less, less about the death of God and the birth of many gods, and this is because of these false doctrines arising and people buying into them. Uh, God and you, uh, 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 the spiritual, di- spiritual divinity of the individual, all of these doctrines that's in the world now through this New Age movement. First Timothy 4 and 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times uh, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to what? To seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Mm-hmm. Right? To seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Right? And then it goes into examples. Forbidden to marry. Catholic Church does that. Uh, commanded to abstain from meat all your different doctrines that, you know, whether it's Eastern doctrines or so on and so forth, um, uh, which God has uh, created to be received with things given of them which believe and know the truth, right? So the scripture goes on and on. These are the doctrines of devils. But the most important aspect that you have to pay attention to in order to not be taken by these things is in Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20. 20. And it states quite clearly, Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20, it says, to the law and to the testimony. And when you understand that verse, you know that the testimony of the Bible is Jesus Christ. All right? So to the law in Christ, that's the same thing that it gave you as far as the characteristics of a saint when we read it in Revelations chapter, um, uh, what was that? Revelations chapter, I believe, 14 and 12. All right? To the law and, to tes- and the testimony, the law in Christ, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Stay on that, focus on that, and you will be safe. Whether your physical body perish or not is not the point. It's your spirit, and that yeah. is what we're trying to get the salvation of. So focus on the doctrine of Christ, repentance, and, and living a godly and honest life in Christ, and that's where the safety is. It's not a place. It's not a person. It's you living godly in Christ. That's the safety. And, and that was the point. I mean, if I, and that's the point that Dimitri does make is that, you know, 
there's so many people out there saying they're Christians and they're not. Make sure you're ready and you'll protect them. And, you know, and, and he says, I'll protect my people that, you know. So you got to understand. Because there's a lot of people. There are a lot of people saying they're Christians and they're not. That's what it's all about. And they're giving it's not that about. Name. It's not about what Demetrius saying. It's about what the scripture right. says. And that's right. the point. But, you know, that's what it's Oh, well, I mean, he's speaking, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, n- not to, because, it's, 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 you know, there's many people who, you know, will quote, you know, this author or that author. That's, that's you know, no one's attacking that. But the, the point is, in order to have the clarity, in order to have the safety and to have the security, you want to be quoting what the scripture does say the Lord. That's where your safety is. Yeah, well, that's what he that. does. He says, tell, he said, tell everyone to read Jeremiah 51, 8 through 15. Revelation chapter 18 and Zechariah 14, where Christ right, fights against right. those who possess the earth. After his victory, the angel said, there will be one flock and one shepherd. There will be no need for the lights. I mean, I mean, of course, it talks about the last day and all this other stuff. But basically, he will protect those ones that are ready, you know. I mean, I mean, and we knew that kind of. But what this prophecy is about is what's how, basically how this is going to happen in the future, which is it's going to be the Russians. And we're going to be unexpe- it's going to be unexpected. And basically, you're, you would have never believed that back then, until you think see the the news and events that are going on now. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, he has a lot of he has a lot more dreams and prophecies that were given to him that have actually come to pass that we would have never guessed that would have happened. But whether, you have to whether, read them. But I'm not trying to encourage you to or not. But but it's basically about the church being ready. That's all it's about. The main message is. Be ready, church. It's it's a serious thing, right. and um, also that guy. Uh, what uh, everybody's been quoting lately, David Wilkerson. Did you hear about what he came out with? That's no. no who's David Wilkerson? No. If okay. I could, go ahead, John. <laughs> yeah, if I could, because here our whole basis and our whole thought process, like the brother says, the focus of what the Most High, according to the Bible, told us to focus on. He said. This is my son in whom I well please hear ye him. So, you know, there's many, many, many men, but, I mean, we even got righteous men of Moses, Elijah, Isaiah, whoever. But the bottom line is the Heavenly Father said, hear ye him, that him is Christ. So now we have to apply his words, listen to what he says, and he's our focus. He has every ground covered, you know. So that's, that's the point of the matter. And, uh, and, I, and I don't think Dimitri does that in his prophecy and steering people away from that. He's trying to steer people to that. Right. Uh, that, I'd just like know, to, add to go that. to you know to be right. You know to you know it's some basically. And he didn't want to do this. You know. All right. The overall That's what comment, he was called to do. The overall comment that I've got with this right here is basically yeah we all everybody is going to have to appear before the heavenly Father before Christ excuse me to give an account of what he has done or what he has not done, or she for that matter. And right. uh, when, we're, when we're standing before Christ, what did what did you do? Did you follow me or not? It's not going to be so much geared towards how much or how deep you were in prophecy. It's going to be geared towards did you listen? Did you humble yourself to the commandments? Did you follow the doctrine of Jesus Christ or you did not? As the brother brought out, there is definite safety and humbling yourself and, and applying the scriptures, applying the example of Jesus Christ. But yeah. if you get too caught, if you get too caught up in prophecy, all right. I mean, prophecy is fun. 
causing prophecy, then you're missing the boat of repentance. That's all that I'm saying. Right. Well, let, me, let, me, right. let me ask you something, though. Margie, uh, you know, she mentioned Demetri, of course, and we understand that what, what we want to keep our focus is on the scriptures, but she's also mentioning Jeremiah 51. And in mentioning Jeremiah 51, she's speaking in terms of the prophecy concerning America. Is that or is that not uh, an important aspect, uh, something that you should be focused in on? It's not. Why would you be? Brother, brother because the reason it's, it's, it's not. Well, no, it's not the full focus. Of course, I mean, if I first meet somebody that never has come to Christ, the first thing I'm going to do is tell them how to get saved, you know, and then and try to preach Christ to them. Not, not prophecies. That's like meat giving meat to a baby. That's not, you know, that's not it. But sometimes, you know, I mean, God does use prophets to get people's attention. And in a stubborn country like we live in, that's what that might be what it takes. I don't know, but you know. You know what? You know, it's when we go to a clear example in First Corinthians, you know, chapter uh, chapter twelve, because you know this is with with the, now the abundance of revelations were given to Paul. You know what I mean? And this segues back into what we're talking about because it's because people don't focus on it is why people slip into the deceptions of this world. But when Christ, when Christ uh, uh, through Paul was speaking in First Corinthians chapter thirteen and verse one, it says. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, and have not charity, I'm become as a sounding brass and a, a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Then it tells you what charity is. Charity suffers in verse 4. Charity suffers long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. All of these are the applications of fruit of the Spirit. When you jump down, it tells you, um, wherefore, verse 9, wherefore we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, meaning Christ, then that which is part shall be done away with, meaning we will receive the full understanding. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Verse 13, now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is what? Charity, Charity, meaning the love of the Most High Christ, keeping his commandments, following the doctrine of Christ. It's always going to come back to that. And that's why we don't get off into any, that, you know, that's why the, the theme of what you're hearing, sister, is that it's always repentance and coming back to Christ because the brother Paul has been there, done that, and he's telling you, in summary, listen, keep your mind focused on the love of the Most High Christ, obeying his commandments, and following that example that our Lord set. Keep your mind on that. Everything will be fine. Okay, now yeah, you've done a real good job of bringing out what the focus is in, in the Scriptures, what you should be focused in on. But obviously, throughout the Scriptures, there are a number of prophecies. I mean, all throughout the Scriptures, there's prophecy. So mm-hmm. the, the question now is, what is the benefit of prophecy? Obviously, it's not good enough for no reason at all. So what's the benefit? The benefit is to, is to build faith and understanding of the Most High. After that repentance is here, after after that foundation of repentance in Christ and living godly is there, you can look in and see, because that's the only way to really understand prophecies. You have to have the spirit of the Most High Christ, and you have to be applying and keeping his commandments through Christ. That's a foundation. Now, on top of that, you'll see that what? That whatsoever the Most High have said, it has come to pass. And that adds or increases your faith to uh, to to uh, push you and help you focus even more on obeying and keeping the Most High Commandments. 
not studying 2,000 books to come up with some more, some new stuff, or maybe some deeper understanding about what's going to happen next. That's not what the Most High wants you to do. What he wants you to do is see, see that I have said these things and it has come to pass. And that what? That man should keep the, the whole duty of man should be to keep the Most High's commandments and, and live godly because the Most High is going to bring everything into judgment. So prophecy, the primary focus is to what? Show you that the Most High, whatsoever thing he does say, comes to pass, and that that should be more incentive for us to put our faith in the Most High and follow every word that proceeds out of his mouth. Okay, then it sounds like, like to me what you're saying. Is, go ahead, brother. Uh, Romans 15 and 4, and this, is, this, is, this should basically put everything into its proper perspective. Romans chapter 15, verse 4, so for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through the patience, through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So these things that are written, laws, statutes, commandments, even prophecy, as well as above and beyond the teachings of Jesus Christ, all of that is written for our learning so that we through studying, reading the scriptures, applying the scriptures, might have hope or, in other words, faith. Verse 5, now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Jesus Christ. So here, verse 5, believe it or not, it, 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 gives you the, it gives you the focus. I'll read it again. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Jesus Christ. In other words, the Heavenly Father, God of the patience and consolation, grants to us that we be like-minded one towards another according to the doctrine of Christ. That means that we deal with each other according to the doctrine of Christ. We correct each other. We edify each other. We're building each other, one another up according to the doctrine of Christ. As far as prophecy is concerned, okay, prophecy has its proper place. As the scripture just uh, stated for us, written for our learning. Because it says, for whatsoever things were written aforetime, prophecy included, I have to state it again, written for our learning, that we learn as it goes on, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope or faith. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one glorify God even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So all this learning, this repentance, this applying of the commandments, the point of it all is so that we all can come to the understanding of Jesus Christ and glorify Jesus Christ and glorify God, who is the Father of Jesus Christ. All right, that's a very befitting end to the show today. Um, brothers, I really appreciate your participation today. Also want to uh, give a special appreciation to our visitor, Margie uh, Glenn. And um, just want to say, uh, you know, the most high in the name of Christ bless you. And until next time, show. Brothers and sisters, thank you for visiting with us in the virtual living room of the Body of Christ Church. You can visit our website at the. Occ.com, or you can email us at bodyofchrist at youreach.com or call us at 877-871-1712. Until our next visit, the Most High in the name of Christ bless you. Shalom.